I had never heard anything like that before in my life. Oh. It just had, it had a R&B sensibility, but a real old school gut bucket R&B sensibility, real Memphis kind of R&B, pre-Memphis, real country R&B, you know, roadhouse mentality, but filtered through the ears of someone who was really into hip hop. Uh, so my reaction, I think, was the same as everybody else's, which is, wow, I've never heard anything like this in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, we're going to take it back. We're going back to July 3rd, 1995. On that day, singer D'Angelo released his debut album, Brown Sugar. It's kind of hard to believe that this album is turning 25 years old. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about the significance of the album. We're going to talk about the production. We're going to talk about the tracks and everything involved with this album and why it's still significant to this day. So sit tight. After the break, we will present to you Brown Sugar, 25 years later on the 12 Kyle podcast. And just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle. This is the 12 Kyle podcast. And we're talking Brown Sugar 25 years later. Man, it's hard to believe that this album is turning 25. Uh, This album was released July 3rd, 1995. Um, Man, I guess it it goes without saying, if you've been following this podcast, you know uh, how I feel about this album. Uh, I did another podcast uh, probably about a year and a half or so ago uh, with my homegirl, Janae. Shout out to Janae. Uh, we came on here and we talked about, we really compared and contrast the two albums, uh, the first two albums from D'Angelo, Brown Sugar and Voodoo. And not only did we do that podcast, but uh, earlier this calendar year, I did a 20 uh, year uh, review of the Voodoo album, which you know came after this album. But this one's turning 25 and it's, it's really, really bugged out when I think about it because I can actually remember how I was introduced to D'Angelo. It was kind of weird because I didn't know much about him. Uh, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, unlike a lot of people, um, we didn't. This is 1995, so there was no Internet. There was no social media, anything like that. So D'Angelo came to me, uh, quite honestly, in the form of video. And uh, I remember just kind of walking through the crib and uh, I think Video Soul was on on BET and uh, the video for Brown Sugar came on and I was uh, it it just made me kind of stop because, you know, this guy he's talking to this older gentleman and they're in this elevator and, you know, the old guy trying to talk to him or whatever like that. And then they get off the elevator and. um you know, he goes to the set and he's, you know, this music being played and the music kind of stopped me from the song Brown Sugar. 
And I just sat and watched the video. And I was like, okay, this dude is, this is different. <laughs> like it, it just really kind of stood out to me that it was something different. But um, I think one of the things that was very pivotal about that time frame is that, again, we're talking the summer of 95. Uh, for me, I was in college at the time at uh, South Carolina State University. And um, music was different. At least for me, it was because this was a part of the golden era of hip hop. So a lot of what I was listening to was, you know, pretty much hip hop. It really I really wasn't checking for R&B like that. Not as much as I had in the past. And, uh, you know, kind of stumbling upon this guy and this album. Uh, it changed a lot of things as far as how I felt, because honestly, the music in my opinion, R&B was being watered down. Uh, it was not strong enough for radio and just, you know, as far as to be <laughs> thugged out, if you will. And it just didn't have the appeal that hip hop had. So, and you had a lot of, uh, you know, people who were trying to kind of mesh the two of hip hop and R&B. So uh, you had all of that stuff going on and here comes this album and like I said, I'm watching this video and this guy, he, he's he got cornrows. He's, he's sitting at this piano and he's playing the piano and he's got on his big jacket. And quite honestly, he looked like a rapper. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about it like that, but um, he looked like a rapper. He didn't look like uh, your quote unquote traditional singer. So, um, he had that look, but he had this look also that made you kind of stop. Uh, now the ladies <laughs> will say he looked cute. I don't know how cute D'Angelo is, but I, I mean, I'm just telling you, he just, he had this certain look about him that didn't really look like a, a singer, didn't look like a rapper, but you could tell that he was somebody. And that was just off, you know, the first time that I saw his video. Uh, and then the more and more that I heard him sing, uh, D'Angelo really reminded me of a couple of people I could hear, like, even before hearing him in an interview, uh, I could hear like Donny Hathaway. I could hear Marvin Gaye. I could hear Prince. Um, I could hear Curtis Mayfield. It was like all of these artists that, you know, I think we all kind of, at least us in that era, grew up listening to. And, um, you know, his sound kind of meshed with all of that. So that's the backdrop of, of, of hearing this album. Um, I think it had been, the album had been out maybe a week or two before I actually went to go to the store to cop it. And uh, <laughs> unlike a lot of CDs back then, I actually paid for this CD. <laughs> So I bought the CD and um, I remember coming back to the crib and listening to the CD. And I remember distinctly playing it because uh, when I got back home, one of my homeboys called me on the phone and I was like, yo, I'm going to call you back. I need to listen to this album real quick. And... <laughs> I never called him back, right? And so he called me the next day. He's like, yo, you're supposed to call me back. 
I was like, my bad. I just got hung up on this album. He was like, what album? I was like, D'Angelo, Brown Sugar. And he didn't know what he was like. Who was that? Somebody in Wu-Tang? <laughs> he had no clue. And um, I think from there, it just, it, it, it really just blew me away the first time that I heard it. And I've said before on this podcast, uh, I'm not really someone who, you know, kind of stands for an album the first time that I heard it. But the first time that I hear something really, really incredible, uh, it just kind of sticks to me. And that album just stuck to me. And uh, I just played and played and played. And it was just it became a staple and it became a favorite. And it is by far one of my all time favorite albums of any genre. And I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. This album is one of the albums that I think like. If I'm stranded somewhere, I'll throw this on. And I know, you know, and we talked about it on the previous podcast with uh, Janae. I know a lot of people love voodoo. If you heard the voodoo podcast that I did, I love voodoo. I adore that album. It is incredible. It is phenomenal. It is all of the superlatives that you want to give it. However, Brown Sugar, in my opinion gets the slight edge, the slightest of edges. <laughs> and what's weird is, and what's bugged out is like, probably over the last, I don't know, four or five years, I've never gotten to a point where I can actually listen to one album and not the other. I'll listen to Brown Sugar, gotta listen to Voodoo. Listen to Voodoo, gotta listen to Brown Sugar. I mean, like it, it's, that's, and these are two albums uh, that I listen to uh, I'll say every two weeks. I mean, they just survived. So Brown Sugar for me is just, it was one of those albums that just really did it. Uh, of course, if I'm talking about albums, we got to talk about the production. Uh, sonically, this album sounded like nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing like anything else that had come out at the time. Uh, one of the uh, the producers, actually the ex- executive producer, Kedar Massenberg, uh, who is a huge guy in the industry, uh, Kedar Massenberg coined this album as a phrase called Neo Soul. Now, prior to that, prior to him saying that, I never heard the term Neo Soul. I'm pretty sure nobody had heard the term Neo Soul. I think D'Angelo pretty much despised that term because he didn't necessarily want to be boxed in. But this album was the first Neo Soul album that I could remember. Uh, it's the first one that kind of started the movement for the Erica Badu's and, the, you know, Maxwell's and the Jill Scott's and the Music Soul Child's and on and on and on. Um, I think this album started it. And uh, it was it, it was such a dope movement that I mean, it just couldn't be denied. And this album is is the catalyst for it. Um, but when you talk about production, obviously, uh, one of the things that jumps out to me is that uh, just in doing some background on this album, D'Angelo recorded this album on a four track recorder. And so everything that he had recorded actually ended up going to the studio being remixed and redone and touched up, if you will. Um, 
but he played all of the instruments. <laughs> he sang all of the vocals, all of the background vocals. Um, he wrote, what, 90% of the album. The album was produced by some, you know, some heavy hitters in the music industry. Obviously, uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, you know him from a tribe called Quest. Uh, who else produced this album? Like I said, Kedar Massenberg was the uh, executive producer, but uh, Raphael Sadiq from Tony, 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 um, he produced on the album. And of course, the legendary Bob Power. Bob Power produced five tracks on this album. And Bob Power, you know, was, at least to me at that particular time, was known more for his dealings with hip hop. But Bob Power really, really, the songs that he produced, I mean, they all stood out. But I mean, like, they were incredible. And I mean, just listening to what Bob Power had to say about it just made me realize just how dope this album really, really was and what it took to put it together. I had never heard anything like that before in my life. Oh. It just had, it had a R&B sensibility, but a real old school gut bucket R&B sensibility, real Memphis kind of R&B, pre-Memphis, real country R&B, you know, roadhouse mentality, but filtered through the ears of someone who was really into hip hop. Uh, so my reaction, I think, was the same as everybody else's, which is, wow, I've never heard anything like this in my life. And that's saying a lot because, you know, I'm sure that it wasn't <laughs> probably the easiest thing to do because he speaks in such a way that the album pretty much was completed and he just had to kind of not mess it up. But, you know, if you follow music and you follow music history, you know, uh, the legendary uh, Bob Power and, you know, from his dealings with, like I said, with hip hop, um, the native tongues and Tropical Quest and, you know, De La Soul, so on and so forth. Uh, but at least for me, this was the first R&B album, if you will, that I know that he was involved with. I'm sure, pretty sure he was involved with others, but um, just to hear him you know, put it down on this album was incredible. Uh, this album not only was sonically incredible, but it set off like a wildfire. And the reason why I say that is because like, again, there was nobody making music that sounded sonically like this. Uh, it helped <laughs> that D'Angelo was, I guess, by women's definition, a good looking guy, I guess. Um, but it wasn't just about looks because, I mean, on this album, D'Angelo wasn't, you know, he wasn't half naked in the video. I mean, he was, <laughs> he had the cornrows. He was sitting at a piano. You, he didn't know how his body looked. But anyway, um, yeah, man, D'Angelo was just, he, he was, he was cold on this album. This album was flawless from top to bottom. Um, of course, I never really harp on accolades, but this album had a tremendous amount of accolades. Uh, obviously, it went platinum, uh, which in 1995, for a neo-soul album to go platinum, mm, pretty much unheard of. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, it, it was it was incredible, man. Uh, like I said, not only did it go platinum, but 
nominated for a couple of Grammys. Uh, in 1996, it was nominated for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance, uh, Best R&B Song, Best R&B Album. And then somehow it got nominated in 1997 for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance again. Uh, surprisingly, it didn't win a Grammy. I, I I probably should go back and see who the idiots were that they, cho- that they chose to give a Grammy to. I mean, like, of course, I'm being biased, but this album definitely was worthy of its Grammy nominations, and it should have won probably all of the Grammys that it was nominated for. Um, but just an incredible album, incredible production. Um, like I said, Bob Power did five tracks. Uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, he did uh, Brown Sugar. He produced the, the title track. Um, and, of course, D'Angelo did a lot of the production himself along with Bob Power. Uh, Raphael Sadiq produced uh, Lady. And uh, we'll get into the tracks in just a second. But I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of just how incredible this was. And again, this is 1995. We're in the middle of the heyday of, you know, the golden era of hip hop. And this guy drops this album out of nowhere. And this, and again, D'Angelo's not a guy coming from New York or L.A. He's from Richmond, Virginia, right? He's the son of a a preacher and he's virtually or at least appears to be someone who is very very shy but someone who is incredibly talented but this album flawless i tell you what let's take a quick commercial break uh we'll hear from bob power and on the other side of the break uh we'll get into the tracks sit tight we'll be back in just a second I, I will say that again, yeah, D'Angelo's like a, what I call a lifetime artist. You know, you only see one or two of those kind of people in your whole lifetime. Um, and when someone comes in with the goods with that much, you know, a lot of times on a record, you're trying to invent excitement and invent depth. Uh, but, you know, with him, it was just incredible. just like that we are back once again it's your boy 12 kyle this is the 12 kyle podcast and we're talking about d'angelo's brown sugar 25 years later this album dropped july 3rd 1995 and uh as i mentioned before the break we're going to talk about the tracks uh this album starts off smoking (laughs) out the gate the title track Brown sugar. Let 
Let me tell you about this girl. Maybe I should. I met her in Philly, and her name was Brown. See, we be making love constantly. That's why my eyes are a shade. Blood burgundy. The way that we kiss is unlike any other way that I be kissing. When I'm kissing, what I'm missing, won't you listen? Brown sugar, baby. I guess high up your love. I don't know how to be. can I say about this that you don't already know? Uh, first and foremost, as I mentioned on the podcast that I did with Janae, uh, when we talked about the differences between, or we, you know, kind of went back and forth between which one was better, uh, Brown Sugar or Voodoo, D'Angelo's second album. Uh, the title track, Brown Sugar, my interpretation is that the first time that I heard it, I thought that he was talking about a woman. The second time that I heard it, I thought that he was talking about the, about a woman. By the fourth or fifth time that I listened to it, I realized that he wasn't talking about a woman. He's actually talking about weed, marijuana, ganja, reefers, <laughs> left-handed cigarettes, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's a great double entendre because you could make a case that he's actually talking about a woman. And as I referenced on that podcast, it's kind of like how what Rick James did with the song Mary Jane um, back in the day. I, as a young kid, thought that Rick James was talking about Mary Jane, a woman. Come to find out later that he was talking about weed. And so in my mind, this is what D'Angelo is talking about. And it is brilliant. Um Skin is caramel with coca eyes. Even got a big sister by the name of Chocolate Ty. That's dope. <laughs> and I don't even smoke weed. <laughs> so that just gives you a backdrop as to how the album actually starts. It starts off with brown sugar. Um, as I mentioned, that was the video that was released. Um, incredible song. And that just kind of it gives you a, a glimpse as to, you know, like where D'Angelo's going uh, with this album. And it was just it just really, really took off from there. Uh, like I said, just being a fan, the first time I heard it, I was like, what is this? <laughs> then we go into track two. All right. This joint is another smoker. Um, 
this one kind of it reminds me of church a little bit because there's a little gospel feel uh and especially in his background vocals but he's just letting her know it's gonna be all right everything's gonna be all right um man again he's two for two (laughs) he's two for two coming out of the park um i think this one uh as i mentioned earlier uh, Brown Sugar was produced by D'Angelo and uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad from A Tribe Called Quest. Uh, All Right is produced by D'Angelo and the aforementioned Bob Power. And um, <laughs> yeah, this is my joint, man. This 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 goes. And uh, again, I don't know that you can on your debut album come out the gate with Brown Sugar and then all right and then we go to track three jones in my bones Man, listen, (laughs) this one is produced by D'Angelo, but co-written by D'Angelo and singer Angie Stone. Now, some of you may know that D'Angelo and Angie Stone, uh, Angie Stone for many years was his uh, background singer and uh, co-collaborator. And they also uh, had a child together. Um, But. Jones in my bone is Jones in my bones is just funky. It is him on the uh, on that keyboard and it the sound the sonically. Again, I'm trying to impress upon you because even to this day, 25 years later, it still sounds funky as hell. Like it's this is one of the songs I think that could have been or actually it probably gives you a better preview as to what was going to come on Voodoo. It, it could have easily been on Voodoo, but this one is cold, man. It is, it's D'Angelo jamming, and um, it's another standout track. Um, then we go to track four, Me and Those Dreaming Eyes of Mine. listen (laughs) what can i say about this album you just have to i mean what what can i say about this song you just really have to hear it to really understand what it was he was trying to accomplish on that song um yeah man i i love this joint this is uh also produced by bob power and d'angelo uh one of my favorite tracks on the album um this is smooth man this is 
you almost kind of run out of superlatives when you talk about this album because you don't want to sound redundant, but this is just dope ass neo soul. And and the great thing about this album is, you know, it's not that D'Angelo is like over sexual or over aggressive. It's just, it's smooth. It's on some cool out shit. And I mean, like, honestly, in 95, we were all on some cool out shit. <laughs> I mean, we just, at least I was, me and my crew. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's, it's just, it's a dope ass song, man. Dope ass song. Um, then the album kind of shifts a little bit. <laughs> Not necessarily for the worst, but this album goes up another notch when you get to track five. Track five, shit, damn, Motherfucker. I don't know how <laughs> you can sit down and 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 say, "Hey, we're gonna write this song and we're gonna call it Shit Damn Motherfucker," um, or SDMF uh, as it's seen on uh, on the YouTube's. Um, this song, man. This song obviously is about infidelity. Um, I mean. D'Angelo's best friend and his woman, you know, have been sleeping around and he kills them. <laughs> and he actually has the nerve to ask them, why are you bleeding so much? <laughs> I mean, like you just killed him. You found him butt ball naked and you killed him. Uh, man, listen, this song is so crazy. Uh, I got a chance to see D'Angelo on tour. And this is the only time I've ever seen him live uh, on the Brown Sugar tour. And he did shit damn motherfucker. uh, The rock version. (laughs) And man, let me tell you. I really thought. That Jimi Hendrix had come back to life because he was smashing guitars. He was setting guitars on fire. And I mean, like the performance was crazy and I enjoyed every minute of it. D'Angelo brought so much energy to the stage. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, shit damn motherfucker. If you, if you're familiar with the movie, the best man, you remember the scene in which, uh, this is being played. The song is being played crazy, crazy joint. Uh, love this song. Um, one of my favorite tracks on the album, shit 
damn motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, like, who sits down and writes that? That is so dope. Um, then we get to track six. Track six is my favorite track on the album, my favorite D'Angelo song. It is simply titled Smooth. And it is just that <laughs> it is just that uh, smooth, man. Oh, my gosh. This song is so incredibly dope to me. Um, he's singing to her and he's telling her, like, look at you. You're so smooth. When I'm around you, I can't keep my cool. Now, that might not be much to some of you who, you know, couldn't come outside in 95 or you're just a little too lame but like to be a guy and to recognize that this woman has you so jammed up that you can't even be cool around her man that's everything (laughs) that's everything again my favorite track on the album my favorite d'angelo track smooth then we move into track seven cruising this is a remake from remake classic from Smokey Robinson and it's called Cruising. Let the music take your mind high. Just releasing you fly. Baby, we're gonna fly you I tell you what, this joint right here is uh, incredible. It's and I mentioned before on the other podcast, like it's not easy to duplicate or try to replica. um, Do a remake for someone as popular and as dope as Smokey Robinson. Smokey Robinson is arguably one of the greatest songwriters we've ever seen in any genre of music, period. Um, And for him to do that and then also give D'Angelo his blessings to do a remake um, was incredible and honestly 
I'm being a little biased here, but I like D'Angelo's version better than I like Smokey's. You know, you may say it's blasphemous, but it's just me. Hey, I like what I like. Um, but yes, another incredible song. I mean, I don't know if you're keeping score, but he hasn't missed. <laughs> He's knocking each of these songs out of the park. Uh, then we get to track eight. Track eight, When We Get By. Now, this joint here is a jam. I mean, like it. It it takes you to a place where you just like I said, on some cool out shit like you just it's a vibe, man. It's. This is the epitome of what a neo soul song should sound like. And I think one of the things that I think people really didn't get was a song like this. Back then, I think this song resonates with people now much more than it did back then. But a phenomenal song, man. Phenomenal song. I never get tired of hearing this song. Uh, When We Get By is the jam. Uh, Then we move to track nine. Track nine, Lady. Yes, yes, this is, it's hard to rank these songs, <laughs> but um, this is probably my second favorite song on the album. Um, I mean, he tells you, he, every, and, and Janae mentioned it on, on the podcast that, you know, Every woman wants to feel like that. Like a guy's like, yo, this is my yo, shorty right there. That's my girl. Like, and be proud of her. Like I see the dudes checking for her, but nah, you, you can't have her. That's mine right there. That's me. Shorty right there with the, with the, with the finger waves. <laughs> that's me right there. Um, yeah, man, this, this is dope, man. Of course there was the, the, the remix to it as well. Uh, 
Shout out to Primo and AZ on the remix. Um, but yeah, this one, um, this one's probably my second favorite song. Uh, again, produced by D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq. Um, I love this joint, man. I love it. And it's it's one of those joints that I never get tired of playing, uh, along with this whole album. Man. I, I could say that about the entire album, but still uh, incredible joint, incredible. And it's um, it's another song that you just you just vibe to it and a dope got a dope video to, video to it as well. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the final track, Higher. Higher is a move. And what I mean by that is that it is a move to where this song takes me back and it takes me like to church. And again, it has like a gospel feel, but it's not, you know, preachy or anything like that. It's just it is so solid. And I love this song. Uh, I, I, met, I I think I admitted on the previous podcast that this was a joint that I think I came to appreciate as the years passed. I don't think I really understood it and dug it as much as I should have back then. But again, for me, there's only 10 tracks on this album and it's 10 for 10. Like <laughs> there's no skips on this album for me. There's no, uh, that's okay. There's no, uh, I don't know about this one for me. I, I love this album again, it top to bottom. It's phenomenal. Uh, this album running time is 53 minutes and it really does not feel like a 53 minute album. It really goes by it. If you put it on in the car, it's, it's easy to ride to easy to sing along to. For those of you who can sing, <laughs> and for those of you who can't sing, you can, you can pretend that you're backing up D'Angelo. But, um, again, this is an album that, uh, I think is just simply phenomenal. Uh, this album is a classic album, in my opinion. I think it's a phenomenal classic album. And I think this album has stood the test of time because one, this album has birthed a movement. It birthed the Neo Soul movement. Uh, not only that, but it inspired other artists to be different. It inspired other people to be creative. Because again, D'Angelo made this album. This is a guy coming out of Richmond, Virginia. He's not somebody who's on, you know, who was on the billboard charts or someone who had a movie coming out or an acting career, anything like that. He, you know, I don't want to say he came from nowhere, but he really kind of came from nowhere and he falls into our laps and he takes off and becomes this superstar. And people 
really got a chance to see how talented he was. Um, again, for me, this album has tremendous replay value some 25 years later. Uh, it is groundbreaking. Again, I think sonically, you won't ever have a sound like that because he did it on a four track tape. And for those of you who know about recording, know how difficult that is. And again, like Bob Power said, he had never heard anything like this before in his life. And he was there to engineer it and mix and master it and put it together. And I mean, just a phenomenal album. Uh, again, I think it stands the test of time. I think it's 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 not an album where you can listen to and say, oh, this album is 25 years old. Well, it sounds 25 years old. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It sounds just as fresh and as new as it should be. And I think for us fans, D'Angelo gave us a peek into his world and what he was feeling, what he was living. And um, and I think we as fans, I think we appreciate that. I know I do. And I think ultimately. This album, I'm able to get something from this album each time that I listen to it. And that's the true definition of a classic album, when you can take something each time and get something new from it and learn more about yourself or the music or the art. That's what it's all about. That's going to do it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. 5G.
Yeah.